This is Dan from Burlington, Vermont, and I'm tuning in to the new TNN. The new TNN proudly presents WCW Must Die, starring Conan. You guys are a bunch of cranberries. Chronic. We're all about cashing checks and breaking necks. Mike Tanay. Chronic hurts people for money. Tank Abbott. Where's Big Bill Goldberg at? Huh? Looking for Goldberg. The Chosen One. Jeff Jarrett. Choke on that, you old Jarrett old slap ass. Mean Gene Okerlund. Blow it out your ass, Jarrett. The Franchise. Shane Douglas. <laughs> Kimberly. It's all about me. Mike. Awesome. I threw Canyon off the top of that cage. Canyon. Yeah, I'm positively Canyon. General. Rection. Misfits fall in and bring me major guns. Lieutenant Loco. <laughs> and if you don't, <laughs> I'll kill ya. Pamela Paulshock. What are your thoughts about the ambulance match? Rick Steiner. Don't like me? Bat me. Scott Hudson. That's the thug life, Tony. Mark Madden. Snoochie Boochies, Tony. Stevie Ray. What the hell is he talking about, Tony? Vampiro. I am your anti-hero, Steve. Sting. I'm not ribbing ya. Scott Steiner. You're done finer. I'm doing a 69er. We Scott Steiner. Ric Flair. Rutho. Rutho. Woo. Ernest. The Cat Miller. May I please have your attention, please? May I please have your attention, please? Shut the hell up! Eric Bischoff. You guys, you guys stop. You're too much. I, I love you guys. I can feel it. There's a lot of love here. Tony Schiavone. The tag made now to Chuck Palumbi. It's, it's the red liquid, the red liquid from Thunder! Big Sexy, Kevin Nash. <laughs> Gimmick's alive! Look at the adjective. It's gimmick. Hollywood, Hulk Hogan. Is this your thing, Russo? That's why the company's in the, in the damn state it's in, because of bullshit like this. Vince Russo. I'm here for the Booker T's and Jeff Jarrett's of this world! That belt don't mean shit! Yas, ladies and gentlemen, the wars of sports-based entertainment have reached a new fever pitch, which means it's time for a brand new episode of WCW Must Die here on the new TNN, hosted by Johnny C. Who is I? When we last left everyone, it was a celebration, bitches. Our 20th episode, which covered Kestrel GTX's Great American Bash 2000. And so much went down on that show. It was a two-part epic. 
If you haven't listened to it for some crazy reason, go back. It's in the archives because you want to be up to date on the events and going-ons that took place. However, as we have to do, we must, we must, excuse me, move ever forward into the future, which lies in the past. Being June 12th of the year 2000 in the Richmond Coliseum in Richmond, Virginia, for the fallout of Castrol GTX's Great American Bash 2000 WCW Monday Nitro. And in an effort to inspire my listeners to not go back and listen to episode 20, uh, we start Nitro with a recap of the Great American Bash. We see highlights of Hogan defeating Kidman for the number one contendership. Ric Flair and his family defeating Vincent Russo. Uh, We see Vince Russo challenging Ric Flair for a match tonight on Nitro. We see a replay of what's, quote, the damnedest thing we have ever seen in sports entertainment, the Human Torch match. And then, the moment to change sports entertainment history forever, we see Goldberg turning heel, and the scene that they choose to show us what a heel Bill Goldberg feels like is the beautiful moment from the Great American Bash where shades of wild things Goldberg embraced Rousseau and Bischoff for a patented three-way kiss and much like Matt Damon said yeah we hear Mark Madden yell he's new blood he's new blood what does this mean adds Tony Schiavone but no time to think about the past we must we must look towards the future of this episode, which lies in the past. I'm conf- I'm confused, Marty. We start with a live shot of outside the Richmond Coliseum where a police escort is escorting a limousine in black to the arena. We start with a dynamite quote. June 12th, year 2000. The sports entertainment world is still reeling from the events of 24 hours ago in Baltimore at the Great American Bash. The limo parks. Who shall arrive from this limousine or emerge? Take two. Who shall emerge from this limousine? Use take two. But Vince Russo and Eric Bischoff chopping on some fat stogies. They've got some big cigars in their mouth. Goldberg emerges from the other side of the limousine wearing some shades. So you know he's a bad guy. Look who's coming out of the limousine. The hired gun of the new blood. We got our opening credits for Monday Nitro. The pyro ignites. And uh, Tony lets us know that Western Union is responsible for the first portion of Monday Nitro. Because right as they start, he's like, Welcome everyone. This portion of WCW Monday Nitro is brought to you by Western Union. Now... I reference this just to say Western Union's a sponsor because they sponsored all types of wrestling. But it really is shades of the modern era where uh, SmackDown starts and it's like, Are you ready for a good time? And Michael Cole's like, Welcome to Dayton, Ohio, the Nutter Center, where SmackDown is brought to you by Progressive. Are you ready for a good time? We head right to the announce table for something very special. Tony Schiavone... Mark Madden and Scott Hudson are morons in charge. <laughs> and we notice right away that something is off. Tony is aware that the audience is aware that something is off as he states, Ladies and gentlemen, Scott Hudson does not have a shirt on tonight. Well, I think that's obvious, Tony. 
It's true, Scott Hudson and his hairy ass upper torso are fully on display. He does have on a necktie though, so that's cute. Why, you might ask, is a Scott Hudson topless? Well, last week on Nitro, Scott Hudson made fun of Vince Russo. See, Vince Russo got his shirt ripped, and we could see his nipalias, and Scott Hudson was all like, Whoa, I apologize on behalf of AOL and Time Warner that you've got to see Vince Russo without a shirt on, Tony. And now, as his punishment, Vince Russo has barred all shirts for Scott Hudson from the arena. Well, Scott, it's our punishment, as a matter of fact, says Tony. And then he pivots to a different statement of a different topic of a different nature. Now, rather than tell you what he pivots to, I am now going to perform verbatim what Tony Schiavone said. <clears throat> and we'll have to rewind just a bit into the past, which will take us to the future, which is now the present. It is our punishment. As a matter of fact, Sting was set on fire last night. <laughs> Unbelievable! Unbelievable pivot! What's even more unbelievable is Tony references this horrendous event, in quotes, as a way to sell the encore presentation, which, of course, is tomorrow night. And, of course, Goldberg is now the hired gun of the new blood. Madden adds an interesting wrinkle to this Goldberg heel turn when he states, Well, you know, Tony, Goldberg hasn't changed. His opponents have changed. His source of money has changed. But he's still the most powerful force in sports entertainment. I hear some millionaires club... I hear some new blood music. You take two. God damn, what is with me today? And it's Eric Bischoff, Vincent Russo, and boy, do they look happy. Scott Hudson calls Goldberg the one constant of WCW, and now we can't even rely on him anymore. Eric Bischoff has the microphone, and he's ready to gloat as only he can. Oh, yeah. I know how to deliver a surprise. I told you it was going to be a big one. Damn, he's a big one. I really like what Eric Bischoff just said, if you believe in the context of the Wild Things threesome with Goldberg, uh, Russo, and Bischoff, so keep that in mind. Uh, Unannounced, an army of police officers come down and surround ringside. That's cute. No one says a goddamn thing about it, but that's fine. Bischoff continues to speak, and we get a random Bischoff yelling at a fan. He's like, well, I like you guys. I told you Bill Goldberg was, hey, oh, shut up, please. Shut up, lady. Nice language. I just love when heels invent people in the crowd to mock and yell at that don't really exist. You really think that this whole thing was a surprise? I mean, come on. We have so much in common with Bill Goldberg. Yeah, the Millionaires Club don't care about Bill Goldberg. They didn't care when Bill Goldberg was hurt. I mean, they were all like, well, now we got our spot back. And they always tried to undermine Bill Goldberg with their words. And before you all get excited, Bill Goldberg made it clear that unlike me, who feels nothing but love for each and every one of you, he's sick of your crap. So you got to add that in to make sure that this crowd knows to boo Bill Goldberg and that he is a heel. And he says this because here comes the man. Goldberg arrives and there's kind of silence, not even boos. For some reason, the director of this program cuts to signs of the audience that are actually pro-Goldberg, which doesn't make a goddamn bit of sense. 
And speaking of not making a goddamn bit of sense, ladies and gentlemen, Bill Goldberg has a microphone. Will Bill give us his rationalization for becoming the hired gun of the new blood? Don't ask me why. The question is, why the hell not? Oh, I hate when they do that. When they do a big switch and they don't give any further context, luckily, Bill does deliver a little bit more information saying things like, Every cutthroat in the back has tried to knife me. They're actually right behind you, Bill. See, the genesis of Bill's statement is that when Bill Goldberg was injured and out of the company, self-inflicted injury, I mind you, this is the injury where he punched the window and fucking sliced up his arm, When Bill was out, the fans started to cheer for all the people that have betrayed Goldberg in the past. People like Hulk Hogan, people like Scott Hall, people like Kevin Nash. And while I get that the Bill Goldberg character has had his, you know, has been stabbed in the back by these characters, I feel like he got his vengeance at certain points. I mean, when he got hurt, he was feuding with Sid, and Sid's not even around anymore. So, based on the fans, quote-unquote, turning their back, he signed a deal with the devil. And again, the WCW commentators sort of have a conversation with Bill as he is delivering these statements. Uh, It's Tony this time. It's 100% not annoying. It's 100% hilarious. Goldberg, on his recent signing with Bischoff and Russo, says, They get what they want! And I get what I want. And what is that? And that's me, okay, standing over every last son of a bitch who tried to screw me. Wow. So, conversation there between Tony and Bill. Bill concludes this promo with, So I got two words for ya. Suck it, yells the crowd. Don't, you can't do that, Bill. How can you stand in a wrestling ring at any point in time after the year 1997 and say, I got two words for you? Bill's two words, fear this. Fear this. Yeah, fear that, baby. Well, I'm certainly afraid of Bill Goldberg and his heel configuration. But guess who isn't? Oh! dun 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 Here comes large, attractive Kevin Nash. Talk about fear this. No, fear this. His sexiness is indeed here. He's, quote, the man who last night got the royal job. Nash is wearing a hockey jersey that says Big Daddy Gear. Is this some sort of private label Kevin Nash clothing line? He is Big Daddy Cool. You know, Goldberg... That's about all the shit I can listen to, you know? Poor pitiful Bill. These people are tired of listening to your shit, too. My goodness, it appears this episode of Nitro has dissolved, or devolved, excuse me, into an episode of NYPD Blue with all this use of the word shit. You stupid son of a bitch. You don't even know who made you. Uh Uh-oh, Kevin Ash appears to be blending fiction with story with reality. Goldberg retorts, I made me boy! I'm not surprised that Goldberg is the type of person who calls other people boy. What? You made Goldberg? Nah. 
Sting made Goldberg. Scott Hall made Goldberg. Hulk Hogan made Goldberg. Kevin Nash made Goldberg. Now, I understand that when you make someone in the wrestling business, like Sting or Ric Flair, quote-unquote, allowing Sting to go to a time-limit draw with him on the first clash is a way that Sting, or excuse me, Ric Flair made Sting. Flair putting uh, Sting over at the Great American Bash 89 for the title is Flair making Sting. So if we're going to use someone losing to you, like, I, I get it. Sting has multiple losses to Bill Goldberg at this time thanks to some internet research I did. Hulk Hogan lost to Bill Goldberg in a one-on-one encounter one time. Nash has lost to Bill Goldberg in mainly tag team encounters. So looking at Bill Goldberg's win-loss record from 1997 until this very show, I'm going to tell you who made Bill Goldberg. These are the three men that have the most losses to Bill Goldberg between his debut and right now. The Giant. So the big show. Kurt Henning. And Glacier. So there you go. Anywho, Kevin Nash indicates, You know, I had some plans for tonight. But I'm not leaving without Bill Goldberg's blood on my hands. Kevin Nash then stalks towards the ring, but pause! So Kevin had plans for tonight. The plans were not appearing as advertised or contractually obligated on WCW Monday Nitro. What could Kevin have had in mind? Now I will admit, quickly in this show... In just a few moments, we'll learn what Kevin Nash had planned for the evening. But at this point in time, a Johnny C is not to know what Kevin Nash has in mind. So again, I did some more internet research. And we all know that I lovingly refer to Kevin Nash as Big Movie. Because Kevin Nash knows a lot about film and cinema. You know, and I know a lot about auteurs. I know a lot about the Battleship Potemkin. Alright? The Searchers. It's a John Wayne picture. I know a lot about Hitchcock. Hey, you know, a lot of people cite Psycho or The Birds or Strangers on a Train. You know my favorite Alfred Hitchcock movie is? It's Frenzy. Hey, Bob's your uncle, am I right? Am I right? So I'm assuming that Kevin Nash was planning a little trip to the cinema this night here in the year 2000. What? could Kevin Nash have gone to see? What was available at the time? Well, future Best Picture Award winner Gladiator was available. Nah, Johnny, I already saw Gladiator at this point in time. It was their opening day Ridley Scott. Alright, maybe Kevin Nash was going to see The Virgin Suicides, hoping for some sweet, sweet Kirsten Dunst nudity. Johnny, I'm going to stop you right there. That's Sophia Coppola. That's Francis Ford Coppola's daughter directing that picture. Of course I already saw it. I didn't care about any any nudity or anything like that. She's a hell of a family. Alright. Maybe John Travolta's magnum opus, Battlefield Earth? Eh, I don't know. Sounds a little too preachy. <laughs> Alright. Maybe Center Stage. Disney's Dinosaur. John Woo's Mission Impossible 2. Gone in 60 seconds? You know what, though, fans? 
If I really had to put money on it, I'm going with one of these next two. Tom Green, Breckenmeyer, and Sean William Scott's Road Trip. Yeah, I'm going to go get Scott. Go see Road Trip. Are you going to take Scott or are you going to take Scott? You know, I'll probably take Scott. And I'll probably take Scott. Or Big Baba's House. You gotta imagine Kevin Nash loves a slapstick comedy. Unpause. Kevin Nash walks towards the ring, but remember the police officers that were surrounding the ring that I spoke of earlier? They attack Kevin Nash. They spray him with mace. They throw terrible fucking punches. Oh, it's so bad. Kevin Nash tries to defend himself, but he but these guys aren't workers, so Nash defending himself looks bad. This whole thing looks bad. It's awful and speaking of awful why are these cops attacking kevin nash he's a big white guy i'll see myself out now no that's not actually funny in the reality but in the context of a joke we'll allow it uh the cops start to arrest a kevin nash but russo's like no i don't want him arrested i want kevin nash released into my custody What does that even mean? Is that legal? Did you call the judge? I mean, seriously. Vince Russo demands the police release Kevin Nash into his custody. If you're arrested, a random citizen can't just be like, you know what, it's okay. I'll take care of him. Russo continues, you son of a bitch, Kevin Nash. You know what I'm after? I'm after ratings. Big ratings, Nash. So tonight, in that ring, It's Kevin Nash versus the monster Goldberg, you son of a bitch! Whoa, that's Godzilla versus Megalon, Tony, adds in Madden. And we head to our very first commercial. So, we have a little bit of an understanding of why Bill Goldberg turned heel. We know a little bit about the psyche of Kevin Nash, and we learned a little bit about legal statutes here in the United States of America. I'm calling this night a success! But let's see if it continues. We're back from commercial, and we see a uh, Macho Man Randy Savage Slim Jim commercial. It's the one where he's locked up in Arkham Asylum, and he's like, Beef! Spice! Beef! Spice! Where's L.A. Knight, though? Yeah! Ernest the Cat Miller is backstage with the cho-cho-chosen one, the heavyweight champion of the world, Jeff Jarrett. Hey, Cat! You know, Bischoff and Russo are busy tonight. You got some pole, though, don't you? Yeah, I got some pole. You got the pole, but not the stroke. I'm the only one with the stroke around here. And I'm telling you, Cat, I don't want to wait for the bash at the beach. I want Hogan tonight. You know, if you play a little BB King for me on that guitar, you can have your title shot tonight. The match is booked tonight. Hogan gets his title shot at Jeff Jarrett. But more importantly... It's time to recap what just happened moments ago, and so we do. Back to live footage in the parking lot of the arena. And the cops have Kevin Nash. And Kevin Nash is handcuffed and being put in the back of a cop car. Tony Schiavone calls these men the security force. So I'm going to do the same. Russo is here and taunts Nash. Cool down in there, Nash. Just cool down. So, you see, Vince Russo owns Kevin Nash now because he was released into his custody so he could determine where Kevin Nash has to sit. Caught in the middle of all this confusion and chaos, though, we get our first glimpse of a young boy wearing a yellow t-shirt 
watching Kevin Nash being put in the back of a security force car, Tony. Russo confronts this youngster. You want to know what's going to happen? He's going to get the beating of his life later on. Scott Steiner, though, not one for child abuse, races into the scene to protect this youngling. He mounts the police car and chases Vince Russo out of the view of the camera. Seriously, though, Russo pops back into frame, and like a living Tom and Jerry cartoon, Russo runs around the car again and then jumps on the hood of another car and flees out of the frame. The security force holds Scott Steiner back, allowing Russo to flee without uh, any sort of risk of harm. Tony, ladies and gentlemen, lets us know who this yellow shirt boy is when he proclaims, That boy is Kevin Nash's nephew! Oh, yay! Back in the arena, we're at the announce table, where the announcers hype Russo and Flair later this evening. Russo is out to retire Ric Flair in a retirement match tonight. Also... Top of the hour confirmed. Hollywood Hulk Hogan takes on Jeff Jarrett for the WCW Heavyweight Championship. Another recap. Last Monday, Eric Bischoff beat Terry Funk for the hardcore title. Bischoff gave the title to the Mama Lukes. Big Vito has claimed ownership of the title. The Mama Lukes music starts to play. Big Vito is backstage talking to his partner, JTB. However, we don't see JTB. Big Vito is yelling through the door of the dressing room at Johnny the Bull. And he says, Hey, I gotta go drop some bombs. Must be them cheese sandwiches I ate last night. So Big Vito closes the door and then he locks the door. So I want to make this clear. Big Vito's got a shit because of some cheese sandwiches he ate last night. Who eats a cheese sandwich? Helen Hart? But more importantly, Big Vito closes the door and locks the door with a bolt locking system. You know those bolt things you see in hotels? Why is this on the outside of the door? Anywho, this means that Johnny the Bull is locked in and Big Vito is going to go defend the hardcore title. As Vito walks towards the arena, he's assaulted by Terry Funk with a trash can and the bell rings. So, oh my God! Match number one. Now, if for some crazy reason this is your first listen of WCW Must Die, this is the show or the part of the show where I tell you what happened and then we try to figure out together what the fuck has happened. So here's what happened. Match number one for the WCW Hardcore title. Big Vito defeats Terry Funk via a triflingly unnecessary risk. So now that we know what happens, we know that Big Vito's going to win this match. Let's decipher what in the flying fuck has happened. Terry Funk follows up the vicious assault with the trash can, asking Big Vito, oh, Are you hardcore? Do you want to be hardcore? And slams down the garbage can some more and swiftly tosses Big Vito face first into a nearby parking gate. Big Vito counters with Italian strikes, according to Mark Madden, and then rams Funk himself into the gate. Big Vito then presses the mechanized button that controls the raising and lowering of the garage gate. Irish whips Terry Funk into it as it's rising, but no, it's reversed! And Big Vito slams into the rising gate. Now Big Vito has fallen on his back, and he's underneath the garage door gate as it's halfway risen. Ladies and gentlemen, 
Terry Funk, being the hardware-based technician that he is, decides, I'm gonna press this here button. And he does press the button, and my god, the door has reversed! Put it in reverse, Terry! Put it in reverse! Big Vito watches as the gate slowly lowers. Could this be the end of Big Vito? Was it worth it, Big Vito? Living the life of a circus-based attraction? Bleeding for our amusement? The door impacts onto Big Vito's... No, it's not a sternum. It's like his tum-tum area. Vito is trapped and being squished like some sort of a non-blue beetle. Terry Funk uses this opportunity to smash Big Vito's skull with an unprotected chair shot. Jesus fucking Christ. A nearby security guard sees the the door-based trauma and opens the gate. Pulls Big Vito out. The gate spot has now ended. So Mark Madden puts a bow on it for us. I'll tell you what, that's hardcore Y2K. You know, trying to kill someone with electronics, Tony. (laughs) It's kind of funny. The security guard now decides to administer Terry Funk like a fourth grade school teacher. You could have killed somebody. Face! Well, face is Big V... Terry Funk smashing the security guard in the face with a chair unprotected, so that happens. Big Vito flees. Terry Funk trots in pursuit. And when I say trots, he does trot and gallop like a horse. I'll find you, Big Vito. I'll make you regret causing Terry Funk for the rest of your days. We're in a hallway now. And Big Vito definitely has the lead. He's very far ahead from Terry Funk. Terry Funk shows that he's a greater quarterback than, uh, what's that guy, the fourth horseman, uh, Telly Savalas? No, Telly Black, Telly Savalas. <sighs> Terry Funk auditions for, uh, uh, I almost said Telly Savalas again. God damn it, what is this fucker's name? Arn Anderson, Tully Blanchard. Terry Funk auditions for Tully Blanchard's role as the Texas State quarterback as he throws a trash can, shades of Joe Burrow, and it actually hits Big Vito in the base of the skull, and Big Vito goes, oh. Terry Funk closes the gap and puts Big Vito onto a table. This is indeed nonstop pulse-pounding action, so Scott Hudson makes sure to remind us, hey, remember, Jeff Jarrett versus Hulk Hogan at the top of the hour, Tony. Uh, Terry Funk picks up an empty water bottle, like a Culligan style, an office cooler water bottle, and hits Vito Thois, or three times. Now we're walking towards Nitro Vision inside the arena near what is, quote, the DJ Rand position. Big Vito is controlling with trash can shots, and folks, near the DJ Rand position, we have a shark cage in the arena. Apparently, during commercial breaks, Nitro Girls dance in this shark cage. Now, when I'm hearing about ladies dancing in a shark cage at a wrestling-based event, I just think about NWA TNA weekly pay-per-views, where the girls dance in between matches, and the song's like, Ah, oh, man. Ah, oh, man. It's a real fucking song. I'm going to end the episode with that song. Okay, Vito's controlling with canned shots. Talked about that. Oh, Terry Funk gets in the shark cage and is battling Big Vito, which causes Tony Schiavone to yell, It's his own personal cage match! 
Terry Funk is dangling off of the cage and falls into a stunt-based configuration near the entrance ramp. The crowd boos because Terry Funk was safe when he fell onto this configuration because you can tell it's padded and stuff like that. Um, this causes Mark Madden to yell, A oh, hardcore cage dance. I like it, Tony. That's what it was! Interjects, Tony. Um, they continue to brawl towards the ring. And we get some interesting facts from Tony Schiavone about Big Vito. You talked about Big Vito growing up on Staten Island. He was involved in every gang war. <laughs> you talked about Big Vito growing up on Staten Island. He was involved in every gang war you could name in that part of the country while growing up. Okay, Tony. But was Big Vito uh, an active participant in the Battle of the Cool Modi concert? Which, of course, was held at the Cool Modi concert. Chair in the gut to Terry Funk. Vito drags the Funker to the ringside area, sets up a table, but Terry Funk counters with a low blow, and now Funk makes sure the table is set at a vertical base near the apron of the ring. He gets his face rammed into it. He's truly a victim of his own design. Vito slides a chair to the ring, Slides Terry Funk into the ring. Make sure the table is extra sturdy. They better use this table. That's all I'm saying. Terry Funk stands up at the inside of the ring, but oh my god! He stumbles forward and pulls down referee Ron Howard. Why you pull down the referee in a match that's a hardcore basis? I don't know. Now, Terry Funk is taking time to check on the prone director turned sports entertainment official. Big Vito is in and kicks Terry Funk squaw in the nipple. He then delivers the execution DDT onto a chair. Referee Ron Howard is up. Can Terry Funk rise from the grave in this one? Vito measures Terry Funk. Funk appears to be out on his feet as he's swinging wildly. He takes a chair shot to the back. Terry Funk falls forward onto the ropes as if he's patiently waiting for someone to attempt to eliminate him from the annual Men's Royal Rumble match. Big Vito goes out to the apron in front of the dangling Terry Funk. He converts the dangling Terry Funk into a dangling pile driver position. And the table is right behind them and below them. Oh my god. Big Vito is going to pile driver Terry Funk while he's dangling over the top rope onto a chair, or excuse me, onto a table, onto the floor. Oh my god, Terry Funk is apron pile driven through the table! Good god, I think Vito broke him in half! Big Vito covers! One, two, three! I want to tell you, this is a defining moment in a man's career in WCW, says Tony. Read the success of Big Vito. Post-match, somehow Terry Funk crawls into the ring. He approaches Big Vito. He gives Vito the hardcore title and extends the hand and offers the hardcore handshake of honor. Big Vito raises Terry Funk's arm. What an athlete. What a sports entertainer. Terry Funk leaves which, of course, is the proper course of action. But, as a side effect of turning your back to Big Vito to leave the ring, he has turned his back to this hardcore stickballer of Staten Island fame. Big Vito rushes forward and strikes Funk in the skull with the 12.7 pounds of hardcore gold. Mark Madden approves of this, and Hudson agrees, well, Terry Funk would have done the same. Uh, by the way, 
They say Hulk Hogan has not arrived yet, so let's head backstage. However, before we do that and move on to the next segment, I believe a numerical ranking of sports entertainment superiority is due. So, what I'm going to do is award this match to Rose McGowan's. One Rose McGowan for the garage door assault, and one Rose McGowan for the pile driver from the apron through the table. Good lord! Of course, Rose McGowan got killed in the garage door and screamed. Moving on! As promised, we head backstage where the very dapper-looking Ernest the Cat Miller is yelling, Hogan! Hogan! He's searching for the ruler of the WCW Temple of Doom. You can't hide from me. I'm the commissioner. And that's all we do in the back as we head to a commercial. All right. We're back from commercial here on WCW Monday Nitro. Oh, my God! Vampiro, Ian, the Vampire Warrior, no one's favorite wrestler, rightly so, is backstage talking to a cloaked figure in front of a green hue. Like, there's a green light next to this Emperor guy, and I swear to you, it's the Emperor. It's Darth Sidious, okay? Ladies and gentlemen, we've got dialogue. And I'm now going to perform it for you. Of course, you know my vampiro voice. The, the hooded guy's just going to get a regular voice. Okay, because this guy's not trying to do any voice like, Come to me, my young apprentice. He's not doing anything like that. So here is the conversation verbatim. It's over. The icon known as Sting is no more. It's done. No. Last night was just the first chapter. Tonight, it continues. Vampiro becomes visibly angry. There are still more souls to be punished and purified. No, listen. Wait, listen. We had a deal, okay? This is done. This is over. I'll tell you when it's over. Well, I'll tell you it's definitely not over in terms of fan base participation. What the fuck is this? Vampiro talking to a cloaked man. Ah, this is the first Vampiro higher power sighting ever. Now, I rewound this scene, trying to figure out who's wearing the cloak, and, and I couldn't place the voice. I had hypothesized it might be Terry Taylor, because I know he was there and creative at the time, and it's like, just put the cloak on, we'll figure it out later. And it kind of sounded Red Rooster-esque. However, the WrestleCrap Book of Lists, I believe... Uh, confirm for me that this is the first and only appearance of the sports entertainer who would go on to be known as the fallen angel, Christopher Daniels. Who I don't really fucking care about. But I'm just, I'm floored. Wasn't Christopher Daniels the guy they said was going to be the, the higher power in 99? And now he's the higher power? That's got to be some sort of a rib, brother. Outside of the parking lot, Scott Steiner is talking to the security force. And Scott Steiner has the little boy in the yellow shirt with him. Uh, Scott Steiner is talking to Nash. He's like, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? The young man in the yellow shirt is sad and starts to speak to Kevin Nash. Where are you going? Uh, it's okay. It's okay. I just work for some idiots, man. It's okay. Hey, Scotty. Scotty. Take care of my nephew, man. Hunter. You do what Scotty tells you to do. I'll be out here some I'll be out here sometime. So Kevin Nash's little nephew's name is Hunter. 
You see, we're doing that because we're all friends. You see, the, the, I'm friends with Sean, and Sean's friends with Scott, and Scott's friends with Hunter, who's friends with Kid, who's friends with Dog, who's friends with Ass, who's friends with China, who's friends with Marlena, who's friends with Pillman, who's friends with Bulldog, who's friends with Owen, who's friends with Brett, who's friends with the Pirate. Huh! Anywho, Scotty and Hunter go to leave. Apparently, Scott Steiner is now the legal custodian of a Hunter Nash. Nash realizes the error of his ways and shouts out of the security force door, Hey, Scotty! He's eight years old, man. Keep the freaks away from him. Back in the arena, here comes the master of the best of tables match, the franchise, Shane Douglas. Tony Schiavone wants to move forward, but before he can, he has a burning question for all of us that no one answers. It's completely ignored, but it's worth talking about. Who in the world was Vampiro talking to? We get replays of the best of five tables match from the Great American Bash. See episode one of the Great American Bash to learn more about that. We see the wall fall to his doom through three tables at the same time. Speaking of falling to your doom, the franchise has a microphone. Franchises do not make excuses. For the last month, things have not gone as the franchise had planned. I was dealt up a hand that sucked. Last night, I made a guarantee to take out the human wall. The human wall, really? And at the end of that match, that guarantee was met. As of tonight... My partner, who has been exiled out of WCW for reasons that sucked. He's back tonight, and we start kicking asses and taking names. Ladies and gentlemen, my partner, Buff Daddy. Oh, yay. Buff Bagwell is back from a 30-day suspension with no pay for unprofessional conduct, and he dances down the ring and summons his pyro like a complete fucking dipshit. There are actually Buff Bagwell signs in the crowd. It seems strange. Well, Buff Bagwell has a microphone. What's up, Richmond, Virginia? I've been gone, but I'm still Buff. <laughs> and I'm still the stuff. Uh, he then calls out Chronic, the tag team, by calling them Colonic, saying they're pains in the asses. You can see what they're doing there. So is he like a baby face? Uh, Chronic does indeed come on out. They are the number one contenders for the tag team titles, thanks to the Great American Bash. Chronic enters the ring. All four men start to throw punches. A bell rings! So here we go. Match number two. Chronic defeats the Buff Chies via an inappropriate touch. It's a Pier 420 brawl to start. Buff is clotheslined over the top rope, but suddenly the franchise and Brian Crush settle in and start a tag team match. Just a reminder, the top of the hour, Hulk Hogan versus Jeff Jarrett. Uh, but where's Hulk Hogan, Tony? Military press delivered to Shane Douglas, and then a Jessica Beale by Brian Crush. Brian Baum is tagged in. The two men tackle the franchise and start to chop him in the corner. Brian Baum sets up the meltdown, but Buff Bagwell cuts it off. Side Russian leg sweep by the franchise. He then follows up with his running franchise neck flip maneuver and tags in Buff Bagwell. A clothesline from CowboysAndAngels.com sends Brian Baum down. An inverted atomic drop delivered to Brian Crush. Buff Bagwell is a house of fire and apparently a baby face as he poses and plays to the crowd. He mounts the middle rope, hits the Buff Blockbuster. Yes! Brian Baum has been blockbustered. The franchise inappropriately touches Buff Bagwell, 
and tags himself in. What are you doing, man? Franchise goes for the Pittsburgh plunge. Brian Crush says no. Buff Bagwell is in, gets full Nelson slammed. High times delivered to the franchise. One, two, three. Okay. Before I rank this match, however, Tony Schiavone summarizes the events of which we have just bore witness in a short span. There was a very intense tag team battle and what seemingly was momentum for Buff and the franchise turned against them. And the high time, double team, puts the franchise down with one, two, three. Okay. I mean, I'll give the match one confused crowd because they didn't know. Like, they cheered everybody but the franchise, even though, well, well, Buff's about to turn face in finger quotes. But post-match, uh, Buff helps the franchise up. And he's like, what are you doing, man? Why'd you tag me? They push, they shove. Franchise hits Buff with the brass knuckles. Uh, it, you know, franchise is like, you stupid piece of shit. Ah. He basically blames Buff for being stuck in the mid-card. Oh, well. Who cares? Backstage, Doug Dillinger, head of WCW security, is sitting at a wooden table. Ernest the Cat Miller enters. Hey, Doug, you seen Hogan around? I haven't today, sir. You haven't today? No, sir. Well, where? Why in hell? How in the hell can a man run a show if the talent can't get here by 2 p.m.? That's your responsibility, sir, not mine. Hey, hey, listen. I, I didn't ask you. I didn't ask you to run your mouth. What the hell are you doing here, anyways? Nothing, sir. You know, I can tell. You know, we gonna see if we can cut down on all those donuts, cause you need that diet. I'm, I'm gonna tell you another thing. I'm gonna take this chair. You hear me? I'm gonna take this chair and I'm gonna sit down and wait till Hulk Hogan get his ass here. I got a big surprise for Hulk Hogan. Now you shut your mouth. As we head to a commercial. So yeah, the the cat's just gonna hang out and wait for Hollywood to arrive. That, that's a good use of company time. Well, we finally do take that commercial, and then we're back from commercial backstage. It's Mean Gene with Billy the Kid, man. Mean Gene starts shaming Billy the Kid for not getting the job done, not being able to retire Hulk Hogan, but you did give him everything he could take. Hey, Kidman, did you hear about Jeff Jarrett and Hulk Hogan wrestling tonight? Whoa, they're having a title match? Well, they're gonna need a guest referee, right? Kidman leaves and we end our scene. Uh, okay, fine. Cut to earlier today, ladies and gentlemen, at a fucking wrestling press conference. Oh, I love a good wrestling press conference. They're fantastic. Here, in no uh, you know, specific order, are my three favorite wrestling press conferences. The Starcade 93 press conference that I did an entire show about. The Royal Rumble 96 in Fresno press conference and the Wrestlemania 8 press conference with President Jack Tunney. Uh, the man who will challenge Ric Flair at Wrestlemania 8 Hawk Hogan. Yes! Yes! And Sid sits down and he rips his, he crumples up the paper. This press conference does not make the list. It's Paisley and her charge Taff Cappy, the artist formerly known as Prince Iakea. Now, I see three individuals that are real because they have moving heads at this press conference. I don't know how deep the uh, rows of chairs go, but of course, it's very fictional. There's a WCW logo backdrop, and sitting at a table with a couple of microphones are Paisley and Taff Cappy. Paisley speaks, as she usually does. Hold your questions until after I finish speaking. 
Distinguished guests of the media, I would like to welcome you to this very, very important press conference. And the big announcement is... The artist, formerly known as Prince Iakea, from this day forward, shall be known only as... The Artist. Now please join me in a mass celebration for... Hey, what's going on under there? Paisley leaps up from the city position, looks under the table, and holy shit, out crawls Pops. Captain Rection's army colonel grandfather guy that likes to molest people and touch them without their consent. Pops grabs the microphone and speaks. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I was, I was. Well, actually, you know what? I've decided to turn Pops into Kurt reigning, defending United States President Joe Biden. Just because it's fun to do a Joe Biden impression. Oh, I, I was hungry. I was hungry. So I rumble into tumbly. You know, I think it's good. Everybody's hungry. You always like to be hungry. I just wanted to have some pie. You know, pie. I just want to eat some pie. Pops then reaches under the table and presents an honest-to-goodness pie prop. See? See, pie. This is what I'm talking about. It's baked. It's good. It's got apples in it. This pie's American. Paisley slaps Pops. The pie crumbles to the ground and breaks, indicating it may not have been a prop after all. The artist pushes Pops. Paisley grabs the microphone. This press conference is officially over. Is it though, Paisley? Is this press conference really over with the fans? No time to answer such a generic, obvious question. Because back in the arena, here comes the goddamn misfits in action. Uh, Madden is excited due to the food-based discussion. Oh, give me a slice of that pie. Of course, he's talking about Paisley's vaginal pie. Can I say that? Judges? They're going to allow it. Vaginal pie. All right, so uh, <laughs> the misfits fall in. Hey, misfits, fall in! Uh, General Rection is angry that the artist assaulted his pops. He tries to defend pops by indicating that pops is just an old man with a steel plate in his head. This poor man crafts himself every time the microwave turns on. And living with Captain Rection, there are a whole lot of microwaved hot pockets, I would imagine. So that dude's shitting himself consistently. Uh, Pops also uh, suffers from Cambodiaitis. I made up the, the, the disease, but apparently Pops often walks out the back door and thinks he's in Cambodia. You guys remember that Limp Bizkit song? Cambodia. Then they remade it for hot dog flavored water. They're like, everyone, Jacksonville, St. Louis, Louisville. Cincinnati, Hollywood, Anchorage, Alaska, ain't it good? Wow. Off the rails. Um, prepare for war, you purple freak! And here comes the artist in Paisley. Unfortunately, Lieutenant Loco doesn't get to do his patented, <laughs> and if you don't, <laughs> I'll kill ya! Well, the artist here is at least graduating from the opening match on Thunder. Not only is he getting a match here on Nitro, but he got his own vignette as well. Paisley has a microphone and calls the MIA the nitwits in action. Obvious. But again, I'm going to allow it because I don't like them. Paisley demands the match is with Lieutenant Loco and that his cruiserweight gold is on the line. Well, he is a former champion, Tony. Rection agrees to these stipulations. 
Hudson mentions that last night, Lieutenant Loco successfully defended the title against the hip-hop Inferno. Uh, Tony uses this information to again sell the Encore presentation uh, based on the fact that you can see Sting on fire, and you won't see that on Nitro or Thunder. A brief moment here as the artist walks down to the ring. I really like his hat, because it looks like the hat that the Joker wears in the seminal classic The Killing Joke by Alan Moore. Alan Moore. Kind of a weird guy, that Alan Moore. The artist enters the ring and strikes the bell ring. So, match number three for the World Championship Wrestling Cruiserweight Championship. Lieutenant Loco defeats the artist, formerly known as the artist, formerly known as Prince Iakea, via Ray Finkel Nanigans. What do you know about Ray Finkel? Soccer style kick. Graduated from Collier County High and won a hell of a model American. Yeah, I cut out a lot of stuff in the middle, but I couldn't remember it. All right. Lieutenant Loco leaps into action with his flipping clothesline. One, two. No. He uh, gets pushed in the corner and the artist goes for mounted punches, but Lieutenant Loco tosses him off hard. Lieutenant Loco up top for a missile drop kick. One, two. No. The artist stands up, trips Lieutenant Loco, grabs Lieutenant Loco's legs like he's going to put him in the sharpshooter, and does a twisting, falling headbutt to the dick. Okay. Lieutenant Loco reverses a corner whip, and he sets up the artist in what's the shattered, known as the Shattered Dreams position that Goldust did. Lieutenant Loco brings in major guns. Uh, she's apparently going to kick the artist in the dick here. Hudson informs us that the WCW version of the Shattered Dreams is called the Cocked Locked, excuse me, the Locked Cocked and Unloaded Tony. Major Guns rips her shirt, as she used to do. Paisley gets in the middle of the ring and blocks the attempted Locked Cocked and Ready to Unload Tony. Uh, Major Guns takes a look at Paisley, thinks about it, shrugs her shoulders, says fuck it, and kicks Paisley in the vagina. Upon viewing this, it's called A Football from Major Guns by Tony Schiavone. So, football, Ray Finkel. I think it makes sense. Uh, the artist goes for a drop kick. He rolls up Loco. One, two, no. Lieutenant Loco gets the artist in the corner, hits his patented Tornadus DDT. One, two, three! This match was awful. It's still time away from my actual real life. I give it absolutely 0% interest in any of these characters. The MIA celebrates and pops sexually assaults Paisley. It's gross. Out in the parking lot, there's a limo arriving. Who could possibly be in this limo? It's the Flair slash Fleer family. Who's here? Well, Ric Flair is out first. Followed by America's favorite stepmom, Beth Fleer. Next, Megan Fleer. Then, Ashley Flair. You see, after last night at the Bash, she's now an active combatant in the wars of sports entertainment. So she gets the Flair last name. And last but certainly not least, WCW summer superstar, Reed Flair. Again, sporting an Abercrombie graphic tee. The cat watches them from afar. Backstage, in another area of the arena, in front of some curtains, Vince Russo is talking to three ladies. He says to these ladies, quote, 
do whatever he says. He wants champagne, give him champagne. He wants coffee, give him coffee. And most importantly, always smile. Let's go. After he says, let's go, Russo guides the women about two feet to his left where Eric Bischoff and Bill Goldberg are sitting, apparently completely unaware that Russo was even in the room with them, completely unaware that Russo was in the room with them with three ladies, completely unaware that Russo was in the room with them with three ladies that he was actively speaking to. Hey, Bill! Bill! I've got a surprise for you, Bill! What the hell is this? Get them out of here! I thought this was business! What? What What are you girls doing here? Get the hell out of here! Who sent for you? Come on! This is business! The ladies leave! Or as Clarence Boddicker would say, Bitches leave! And we head to a commercial. We're back from commercial. And Ernest the Cat Miller is still in the park. How, you know what? Pause. How about that? I love... I kind of love that shtick in wrestling. Or just in anything. I don't know why it makes me laugh. When Russo's like, Bill, I got you some ladies. <laughs> and then he immediately pivots to, What are you ladies doing here? Who even said for you? I, I don't know. Cats in the parking lot waiting for Hollywood Hulk Hogan will wait no longer because Carzilla pulls up, dude. Whoa, whoa, it's the cat, brother. Look, watch out for Carzilla. She's feel, he's feeling hungry tonight. Hollywood emerges. He's in full Hollywood mode. Hey, Hogan. Hey, Hogan. You gonna love me. You gonna love me. You won a title shot, right? Yeah, I earned a title shot. Oh, you don't have to wait. I can get you that shot in about, mm, ten minutes, because I'm the commissioner. I'm the man. You know something? They say you're rotten to the core, brother, but you're not that damn bad. I'll take you up on that, Catman Do. <laughs> that means I'll be the champ tonight, instead of a month from now. So, finally, the debut of Catman Do. What up, Catman Do? Uh, Hogan goes to leave, but the cat says, Oh, Hogan, uh, one more thing. And my God, out of nowhere, Jeff Jarrett enters the frame and shatters an acoustic equalizer all over the dome of Hollywood Hulk Hogan. Catman Do, how could you? I see you at the top of the hour, big man. Uh, the camera zooms in on Hollywood's corpse, but then the cameraman starts shooting off into the distance. And we see another body is laying down on the ground, and it's Horace Hogan. What's going on with these bodies littering the Richmond, Virginia campus of the Richmond Arena? Back in the arena, speaking of the arena, here comes Vince Russo and his son, David Flair. We're treated to footage of last week on Nitro where Vince Russo was battling Ric Flair in a caged heat match. Russo is topless, getting chopped. Then we get footage of Flair chopping Russo with the Great American Bash. It's all chop footage. Not choppy footage. It's just footage of reverse knife-edge strikes. Madden, during this footage, correctly points out to all who are listening that Russo does indeed have a better build than Scott Hudson. Russo has a microphone. All right, settle down, settle down. It's true. I'm here in person. Calm down. Relax. All the fans are going nuts here, Tony. Okay, I love a delusional heel, so I'm going to allow it. A mild Russo sucks chant does start up, but Vince can wait no longer. He must speak. David, father to son, I want to tell you, I'm very proud of the performance you put in last night. You made me proud, David. 
Show David Flair respect for that match last night. I love you, David. But I'm sick and tired of being everybody's punching bag around here. Well, he can remedy that by getting out of the ring. I'm not going to take it from you. I'm from New York, damn it. Look at these guns. I ain't taking no more, no more. It ends here tonight. Is he resigning, Tony? Russo continues and calls out Ric Flair. I'm not a damn lamb chop. You will not chop Fitz Russo again. I'm going to have a stroke or a heart attack before I end this. And I'm ending it tonight. Whatever it takes, I'm going to retire you. Me, personally. So, old man, bring your ass out here now. Woo! Here comes the nature boy. So as Flair's making his entrance, we cut to a sign in the crowd that reads, quote, Ric Flair is the greatest of all times. With an S on the end. I was confused. How would this person possibly know? I mean, I looked at this person. He's a nerdy white guy. So unless there's a variant of Kang the Conqueror that's a nerdy white guy, I have no reason to believe that this nerdy white guy holding the sign has traveled the various lanes of hyper time. He's only been on one timeline. How does he know that Ric Flair is the greatest of all timelines? Because that's the only thing that the word times could mean in this scenario. I've lived and traveled through many timelines of existence and determined that Ric Flair is the greatest. Ric Flair does arrive, and he's wearing his Sears best, like he just got done shopping with the Brady Bunch. <laughs> I'm gonna go for a walk outside now, the summertime's calling my name. I hear you now, I just can't stay inside all day. I gotta get out, give me some of those rays. Everybody's smiling, shining sandy. Everybody's laughing, sun shiny. Woo! This is not New York numbnuts. It's Richmond, Virginia, pal. Woo! I got all the cars this time. Because now your record is two and one. I'm a free woo man again. Uh, uh, yes, the series is 2-1, but Flair is still losing. And his only victory is against David, not Russo. But that's fine. Flair, I hate you. I hate you, Flair. Russo then begins to put his hand over his face and starts to cry. Oh, okay, I got it now. I know what's wrong. You see, Russo, last night, your wife looked at you and said, You sure ain't Space Mountain. Is that what she said? Woo! What do you want? What do you want? David! David, let's go home. Let's go home. It's over. Hey, Russo! Rutho, you ain't ever going to be Space Mountain. Come on, David, let's go home. How bad do you want it, Rutho? I want it bad. You want it bad. I'll do anything you want, Flair. Here's the deal. I'm done screwing around with you. I beat you tonight, so you retire. You retire, and I become the boss. Me and Bischoff, because we know we get along great, right? How about that? Woo! Number two. I take my son with me, and because Richmond needs a laugh after I beat you, we're going to save your head like we did Bischoff. Woo! Now, this new wrinkle in the equation makes Russo very unsure about what's going to happen. So, Ric Flair starts to approach the ring violently. I'm not screwing around with you. I beat you. You retire. I become the boss. 
If I die here tonight, I retire. You're coming on with me. And then we're going to save your Yankee head, pal. Woo! Wait a minute, wait a minute. So first, Russo issued a challenge against Flair. That if Flair loses, he retires. Then Flair came out, and we got Flair versus Russo, career versus career. If Flair wins, he takes over with Bischoff. He takes David home, and he shaves Russo's head. Now as Flair is walking to the ring, he's indicated that the match is Flair versus Russo, career versus career. Flair wins, he takes over the company. But if Flair dies tonight in the match, then he has to retire. And then David comes home with him, even though he's dead. And then he shaves Russo's head, even though he's dead. Well... Much like myself, Vince Russo has some questions for the stipulations. Hmm. Are we are we talking about a trim? Say it again! Ah, uh, a little trim! Say it again! A little trim off the back! What I'm gonna do is retire you! Take your job, take my son, shave your head, and your ass! Woo! Maybe we should save that for the pay-per-view. Well, I don't know. I was hoping for a little trim. <laughs> Oh, and this shave-your-ass stipulation is new, by the way. That wasn't part of the original or uh, modified configuration. Or even the modified modified configuration. You know what, Flea? A New Yorker doesn't back down from any punk. Especially in front of all these Richmond beep! Oh, year 2000. If you're wondering what Vince Russo said... There are a subset of Pokemon called Dragon Pokemon. And much like every Pokemon, they have a weakness to other Pokemon types. Well, Dragon Pokemon are weak to three types of Pokemon. Dragon Pokemon. Yes, they're weak to themselves. They're weak to Ice Pokemon. And another type of Pokemon that starts with an F that I won't repeat. If you're really interested, just Google it. I mean, it's not dangerous to say the word independently, but using it in the context here would give you the context in which Russo says it, which I don't want to provide. So he is the... Oh God, that was a Flair and Russo combined speech. So here's the deal. You're on tonight under one condition. It's father and son, handicap style. You know what I say? I say I'm going to go back in the dressing room. Get Reed, and we're going to kick your ass again. So another alteration. Yeah! They have agreed to it with careers and heads of hair on the line tonight. But coming up next, Jeff Jarrett, Hulk Hogan for the WCW title. And, uh, you know, we, we, we start to go to a commercial. But do we need... More evidence for scripting promos here. I mean, look, that might be taking a step too far. You're not going to script a Ric Flair, okay? And I'm not really advocating for that. But, you know, Flair doesn't want to show any ass or come off as weak because he doesn't like Vince Russo like in real life. And Russo's just a booker. So Flair's constantly taking things for a walk in this promo, adding in insults, extra woos, ridiculous yelling of things. So I I don't know. Again, we started with we knew tonight Flair versus Russo with Flair's career on the line was going to happen. Just a, a, a mirror image of the Great American Bash match, but with Russo instead of David. So now, here's what we officially have. Rick Flair and Reed Flair versus Vince Russo and David Flair. Career versus career. 
I think for only Flair and Rus- Rick Flair and Russo though. If Flair, if Rick Flair wins, he's the boss with Eric Bischoff. David Flair has to come home. Vince Russo gets his head shaved, and Vince Russo gets his ass shaved. If Vince Russo wins, Ric Flair is retired, and Vince Russo shaves Ric Flair's head. Are Reed's and David's hair up for grabs here? Why do the heels have more to lose in this configuration when they are already the underdogs? No time for such civilized questions, because, judging from my watch, Tony, it's the top of the hour. Nitro's off to a commercial, but of course, we're instantly back with a split-screen view of the two divergent paths of two of our most important WCW superstars here tonight on Nitro. On the left-hand side, Goldberg, sitting, angry, in the new blood room, and on the right side, big sexy Kevin Nash, in the security force car, handcuffed, looking very uncomfortable in this tiny back seat. Because he's a big guy. You know, that car is just a waiting room for this executioner, Tony. Let's head back to the arena! Oh, God. You know what, though? I can't... I hate to stop the show dead, but I feel like I've had some sort of a rash right here on my chest for, like, seven years. Because here comes special guest referee Billy the Kidman! Woo! I don't know why I did the Ric Flair there, but what made me itchy was... Kidman's theme song sounds like a Nintendo 64 song. Like, super compressed because they refused to move to disc storage and they kept it on cartridges. Uh, it's Petey. Petey himself. Pete. Pete, get up. Petey the Kidman wearing the pinstripes for this one as he is a special guest referee, the cho-cho-chosen one. The world heavyweight champion Jeff Jarrett makes his way into the combat arena. Uh, Mark Madden says, uh, what's Kidman's motivation here, Tony? Which just, you know, what's my motivation? Uh, the announcers put over that Horace betrayed Kidman. They want to know, is Kidman to blame for being naive? Or is Kidman here tonight out for vengeance? Jeff Jarrett, though, wants a microphone, as is his right. Uh, as is his right to also prima nocta. He is the WCW heavyweight champion. Listen up, slap ass. You ring the bell, count to ten, and award me the match. Then get me a new opponent for the bash. So a pretty devious plan here by the chosen one. Say you want to have the match tonight that Hogan earned. Hogan agrees to it. You take him out. You start the match with a crooked referee. Crooked referee immediately counts to 10. I don't have to fight Hulk Hogan at the bash at the beach. I'm impressed. Kidman goes to call for the bell. But wait a minute. We, we, we are in control. For life. Oh, yeah. <laughs> The biggest, the biggest, the biggest, new, 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 new world. Hulk Hogan is here! 
or should I say Hollywood Hulk Hogan. He's shirtless, he's very tan, and he's walking very slow. Uh, we. This is so important, this emergence, unexpected, of a Hollywood Hulk Hogan, that we get the still photos courtesy of WCW Magazine from last night's Kidman and Hogan match. Or should I say Petey and Hogan? Oh, that's Petey V. That's Petey v. Bolea, Tony. Uh, we miss Hulk Hogan punch Jeff Jarrett, but I hear the bell ring. So, match number four. It is a WCW bash at the beach main event come early at the top of the hour match for the WCW championship. The chosen one, Jeff Jarrett and Hollywood Hulk Hogan ended in a no contest via the assassination of Billy the Kidman, a.k.a. Petey, via the coward Bill Goldberg, the hired gun of the new blood. Triple H starts this match as a house of fire. He hits a running Hogan line. Then some rabid punches with Jared in a headlock. He gets Jared in the corner and starts doing rough, rough corner strikes. You know, striking him in the corner. He's like, rah, 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 rah. running corner Hogan line. Uh, Jared falls to his ass and uh, Hogan starts choking him with the boot. And Hogan's like, get in there and ask him. Get in there and ask him. And then he starts choking uh, Jeff Jarrett with his ode to hands. Hilarious moment of logic here in the match. As Hogan is choking Jarrett, Kidman gets in and starts administering. Hogan breaks the choke, but he breaks the choke to make hand movements, as if he's explaining to Kidman that Jeff Jarrett hit him with a guitar before the actual match began. As if there's some sort of a clause in the rule book that indicates choking in a sports entertainment contest, becomes legal for a participant when in a pre-match scenario, the choker is accosted with a guitar by the chokey. Just re-listen to it, it makes sense. Jarrett's tossed outside. Hogan is bleeding, I guess? Uh, he takes off his belt and starts whipping Jarrett with it, starts choking him with it. Petey's in there trying to get the men back inside, but to no avail. Jeff Jarrett gets thrown lips first into the steps. Oh, is that a belt he's using on, Jarrett? Of course it is! Oh, I thought he ripped off a piece of his leathery skin there, Tony. Uh, le- leathery skin there. Leathery skin there, Tony. It's hard to say with the Mark Madden. Um, yeah, I thought he ripped off a piece of his leathery skin there, Tony. There we go. I got it. Back inside the ring now, but Jarrett cuts off Triple H. Uh, Tony Giovanni, ladies and gentlemen, trying to win an Emmy here on commentary. Hogan feels in his mind that his career's been revitalized. Last night was a saving grace for Hulk Hogan. He kept the career going. It did not come to a dead end at the hands of Russo and Bischoff. Hulk Hogan is back alive and thriving at WCW. You know as much as I do that it's a good motivation as you can get in the wars of sports entertainment, Mark Madden. Kidman gets in Jeff Jarrett's face for not breaking holds. Hogan gets control again and hits another clothesline. Jarrett's over the top again. I got shot again. I clothesline Jarrett over the top ropes again. I fought on the ringside area again. Uh, Hogan goes into the rail. Jarrett starts using a chair and striking Hogan in the gut. Jarrett raises the chair over his head for a big devious strike as if he's holding down the A button until his power meter is fully charged. Petey grabs the chair. Jeff Jarrett turns around like, What are you doing, Pete? Uh, Petey tosses the chair to Hogan, and my God, that's not Petey. That's Billy the Kidman, apparently turning face. Hogan chair shots Jarrett, but uh-oh, Russo and Goldberg are standing at the entrance. 
he's the thug, and Russo's the cult leader. Oh my goodness. He said, he's the thug. Is Scott Hudson going to say it? Is he going to fucking do it? Hogan's in control with right hands. He hits a big boot. Come on, do it, Hollywood. But no, here comes Bill Goldberg. And then, as if time stops, it happens. Yes, Hulk Hogan does hit a leg drop. But more importantly, right as Hulk Hogan is hitting the leg drop and Bill Goldberg is walking towards the ring, Scott Hudson speaks. Goldberg is on his way to the ring. The hired gun. The thug life. Goldberg. Oh, he said the thug life for real. Oh, I'm so happy. Now, hey, in case you've been living under a rock, I'm so happy he said it because it's the thing that he says that I hate him for. All right. Uh, but I even I have to admit, this one is so bad, it's it's just perfect perfectly bad. It makes me cringe every time I hear it. Kidman goes for the count. Will we have a new champion? One! Goldberg leaps to the apron of the ring. Two! Goldberg trips on the bottom ring rope and falls through the middle rope. Two and a half! Goldberg lunges forward, trying to keep his balance, but maintain the integrity of the script. Goldberg's hands make contact with Hogan, and the count is broken. Goldberg is in position here to do the spear to a Hulk Hogan. Kidman, trying to be the referee here, is doing the referee signal for incomplete pass to Bill Goldberg. He's standing near him like, no good, no good, second down, no good. Well, he doesn't actually say second down, but he's just completely doing the like, don't do it, no good, no good. Um, Goldberg is still in the corner, though, continuing to measure a Hollywood Hulk Hogan. Kidman decides incomplete pass isn't working. Let's transition to start the clock, because he starts doing the hand motion for start the clock. Goldberg still poised in the corner to strike. Goldberg is unleashed, but Kidman dives in front of Hogan and takes the spear. Kidman has made the supreme sacrifice. Wait, he was a supreme sacrifice, dude. Oh, I love it. The son becomes the father and the father of the son. Bill lifts up poor Petey's corpse and drops him like an absolute sack of potatoes onto the floor. It seriously is its one of those moments of Bill Goldberg being really intense. So intense and so in the moment that he gets sloppy and dangerous. And poor Petey. Hogan eats a spear. Mark Madden sees this and yells, Yeah! Four times. So I guess just one more than Usher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Scott Hudson chimes in. Just making my world. Goldberg, the thug life! The hired gun of Vince Russo! Just speared Kidman! And speared Hogan! Russo gets a table. Jarrett sets it up. My God! Don't do it, Bill! Don't do it! Nobody does it all right. Goldberg jackhammers Hulk Hogan through a table that makes Tony actually yell verbatim, Jackhammer on the table! Jackhammer on the table! My God! Jackhammer on the table! Like he does the Jim Ross, but like on purpose. Uh, Jeff Jarrett spray paints Hollywood Hogan. I, I don't get. We don't get to see what's on it quite here. 
Uh, it's Hulk Hogan's dead, folks. Uh, Madden's putting this over like it's the greatest thing ever. Like Hogan will never walk again. Blah blah blah. Uh, no one will come to Hogan's rescue because everybody hates him. But wait, I see someone. GI Bro is there. GI Bro, what the hell are you doing here? GI Bro, I don't care. Well, that's not fair. I kind of like GI Bro when he's Booker T. When he has his freedom from stupid-ass gimmicks and he really, really cool. He ain't no sucker fool. G.I. Bro is a secret identity held by one professional sports entertainer named Booker T. His mission to obtain championship gold and to keep people from acting as suckers. G.I. Bro! Uh, G.I. Bro attacks Jeff Jarrett. Upon seeing G.I. Bro attack a Jeff Jarrett, Tony is really excited and calls, G.I. Bro, he's out here! He's a mercenary! How is a mercenary different than a hired gun? I mean, how is a mercenary one good versus the other one evil? Because they're doing the same thing! Russo pushes Goldberg, well, I mean, don't get me wrong, like, Russo can't push Goldberg, but Russo's kind of like, Beal, Beal, let's go, come on, come on. Like, the way you try to get your dog in the car when you have to take it to the vet, he's like, come on, Billy, come on, get out of the ring, dear. Um, Hudson rightfully indicates, I have to admit, that he can't believe he's seen Goldberg, like, running in retreat, that, like, that's a thing that the character doesn't do. Mark Madden puts an entire bow on this beautiful presentation when he goes, oh, oh, look at Hogan, he's not moving. This is so great. I should have a cigarette after. G.I. Bro requests a stretcher for Hulk Hogan as we head to a commercial. So the match is over. All right. I, I don't know. I'm thinking of doing something here. Uh, you know what? I, I had such a good time recapping the events. I was going to bump it up, but I can't do that. I got to go with my initial gut, and here's why. I'm giving this four Scott Hudson nipples. Of course, please always remember, fans. That on this show, five stars is an entertainment-based ranking, okay? Five stars being an absolute moment you have to see because it's so horrendously WW2000 that it is a it has to be a part of sort of the, the mantra and history of examples of what makes that statement an actual statement that indicates poor wrestling. Although I would argue it's so bad it's good. It's so good. It's it's like the pot anywho, anywho. So if this match was full of actual like botches as opposed to just hilarity, hilarity and nonsense, it'd be a full five Scott Hudson nipples. But I can't do it. The historical significance of Scott Hudson finally saying the thug life easily puts it at four, uh, despite what's going on in the ring, though. So thank you, everyone involved. We get a 1-800-COLLECT replay as we're back from commercial. Uh, it's a replay of literally what just happened. Okay, although it gives Scott Hudson to recap the events in his own way. It wasn't enough that Goldberg, the coward, the thug life, jackhammered him through a table, Tony. And then he talks about something else. You know, it's kind of weird out of context with the beginning, but he still says thug life, so fuck it. Suddenly, I'm feeling a lot better about myself. Self high five. Here comes Diamond Dallas Page in his patented whatever shirt. I'm glad to see he survived his ride in the Ambulance during the Ambulance match at the Great Ambulance Bash. Uh, DDP is called by Tony Schiavone, a man at the crossroads in his career and his life. 
Yo, kill the music. Oh, wait a minute. I, I'm getting sad. Is DDP sad? DDP pulls a lemon out of his jeans. He's like, you know, somebody in the back asked me why I got a lemon. It's because after this interview, I'm going to have a beer. And I like lemon in my beer. Page cuts a promo about typical shit like being told, always told the business, I can't, you're too old, you're too small, you're too ugly, you're too white trash, your tattoo's too weird, your teeth are too bad, your hair is way too curly, uh, your beard grows in all white trashy like that, uh, your wife is hot, so no one's going to care about you over her if you're both in the business together as a tandem. You know, just normal, regular stuff that you, you know someone would say to you in your everyday life, okay? Uh, I, I want to make a long story short here. The only person that believed in him was Eric Bischoff. Cue Eric Bischoff coming out, flanked by Kimber Me and Canyon. DDP rambles on about how his wife's not the same person, blah, blah, blah. Eric Bischoff pretends to cry. He's like, yo, Kim, you remember that time I picked you up in a U-Haul because the car wouldn't start? Those were the good old days, blah, blah, blah. Canyon turned on me after I helped you, took you under your wing. Uh, you know, I taught you things only my mentors taught me. He name drops Dusty Rhodes and Jake the Snake. After last night, DDP don't feel like, don't feel like getting up anymore. So, uh, you know, he's, he calls, he references the interview he had with Tanae. I don't know how many episodes of this show ago where today's like, so Paige, I notice a lot of people in your life have problems with you. Have you ever considered you're the problem? And TDP's like, yo, monkey, shut your mouth. Uh, bottom line, DDP is starting to buy into that. Uh, maybe he was the problem. He le- he drops the mic, leaves to the crowd. Uh, and, and we head to another commercial. But this is the DDP retirement angle, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much. Uh, we'll see you later, Paige. I'm just not a big D. I like in 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 the in the context of this show. This is like almost like one spice too many. Like we're having things happen, and we've got a lot of main event. I don't know. I'm just like I don't know. This could have been like a thunder. I'm not rebooking year 2000 WCB. That's not the point of this show. Uh, back at the announce table for commercial, the announcers recap what DDP just said. Tony literally gets caught staring at Scott Hudson's nipples. That's uh, pretty funny. Uh, Tony lets us know, earlier tonight, Bob Ryder and Jeremy Barash hosted WCW Reload on WCW.com. Reactions from last night's Great American Bash. Check it out, fans. It's free, fun, and easy. Just like old Johnny C. Time to talk about Sting. Well, they know that Sting is currently in the burn unit. And then, straight up a bit, all we know is Sting is going going to be gone for a long while. We see still photos of what happened in the match. No way can we show the footage. They won't let us show that. You've got to order the encore. Vampiro's song starts. So that means here comes Ian. The Vampire Warrior. The Apprentice of the Cloaked Man. Apparently. Mark Madden gets serious during Vamp's uh, entrance. And he's like, you know, uh, guys, there's not much I uh, won't joke about in, in wrestling, blah, 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 because it's supposed to be the funny one, and blah, blah, blah. He goes on and on and on. And he ends with, but I will say, I'm going to check out that encore tomorrow night to make sure all that stuff did happen, b- b- because I just can't believe it, Tony. Vampiro has the microphone. It's time for him to talk now. You didn't think it was going to happen, did you? Well, last night... I ruined Sting's life. 
I set another human being on fire, and I don't have one ounce of remorse in my body. Sting, for the rest of your life, when a loved one looks at you and sees your scars, and when you look in the mirror, and you can't wake up from this nightmare, and you're going to scream like a little bitch, you're going to remember me, Sting. But Richmond, that's just a start. The good news is, the nightmare is just beginning. You see, I know I'm going to hell, and that's very cool with me. <laughs> I feel like this vampiro pressure's getting really away from me here. I'm alright with that. Because I do the flare lisp. But the big question, I got, who's got the balls to come along with me? So he's just throwing out an open challenge. Some music plays, and it does sound vaguely familiar. Wait a minute! Tony yells, that's Kiss's music! God of Thunder! A coffin is near Nitro Vision. The coffin opens. Ladies and gentlemen, the demon has returned! Demon, of course, last uh, laid eyes upon sometime around Slamboree-ish doing uh, oh, shit with Norman Smiley. Um, what was her uh, Screaming Demons type stuff? Or maybe it was Super Brawl type. I don't fucking care. But you know what? I do have a question. Vampiro kind of wears like a face paint, right? Sting wears a face paint. The demon also wears face paint. Is the cloaked man ordering Vampiro to wage war on anyone with face paint? Is that the connective tissue here? I'm reaching! But it is WCW. No reaction at all for the fucking demon, by the way. He is carrying a tiki torch. Shades of Ricky Steamboat. He spits fire. Again. To no reaction. As he spits fire, Tony lets out a primal. Oh, yeah! God of Thunder is definitely not edited out on this, by the way. So they must have had a good old-fashioned contract with Kiss for that. Uh, Vampiro confronts the demon in the aisle and the bell rings. So, match number five. Vampiro and the demon went to a no contest when sports entertainment just done took over. Inside the ring now, Vampiro strikes. The demon appears to be out on his feet. Or he's just a giant loser selling. Uh, hits a demon line, though, out of nowhere. Sends Vampiro over the top. The crowd sweetening machine is out of control, by the way. Someone, like, kick it or put a quarter in it so it'll work right. These two guys broadly entrance. The demon is rammed into Nitro Vision. Uh, and he's laying on his back. Vampiro now on the ground. Vampiro climbs up the big screen area. You know, the, like, structure that holds Nitro Vision. Like, I don't want to discredit what he's doing. It's about, like... It's not as high as you might think hearing this. It's like being on top of the ladder, I suppose. Which I'm not... Hey, I'm not doing that shit. But, you know, you have more footing. Uh, but I'm not doing it. I don't, I'm not doing this shit. I'm, you know, But it's not like a Foley-esque spectacle. Like a true zoo artifact. A zoo artifact? That's not what they call animals in the zoo. A zoo animal is what I was looking for. It starts with an A, too. Anyway, a vamp is going to jump, it looks like. I hope he does. But before he does, it appears that he wants the crowd to raise the roof as he starts doing the raise the roof motion. Oh, no. He's not actually raising the roof. That's just the hand motion he uses to summon his pyro during entrance. So he does it. And sure enough, good old-fashioned fire spits up from the stage. The fire pyrotechnic show stops. Vampiro still perched. Vampiro claps his hands to let the demon know he's coming down. God, that clap just really throws you out of it. However, 
After that clap, Vampiro leaps! You know, actually, though, I, I wouldn't call it leaping. He more like takes a step off of the edge of the screen with momentum, and he lands right in front of the demon. The demon who was now standing falls right down, even though Vampiro totally missed. The bell rings. Vampiro goes to stand up. He absolutely can't. He cannot stand up at all. Uh, Vampiro gets up, limps out of the frame, falls down on the way out, and we immediately cut to the backstage. That's the whole match. Do you fucking really know, I have to ask what this segment gets? It's five broken legs. Now, pretty sure Vampiro didn't actually break his leg. I'm not trying to rewrite history or say bullshit, but, uh, you know, he definitely tweaked this shit. All right? Just total five fucking stars. It, it's perfect amount of timing because you can watch Vampiro's promo and make fun of his shitty skills and then see the demon come out, Tony overreact, and then watch this two-minute match that ends in a ridiculous sports entertainment botch. I mean, it's perfect. It, you know, it's it's not the best five stars ever. That's something else. But, you know, it's still pretty fucking unreal that we're getting something like this, in my opinion. Back to the backstage area, Shakira and Madeja are, uh, in, you know, they're yelling in Scott Steiner's locker room like, hey, Scotty, come on out. Hunter Nash emerges, little Hunty Nash, and he, he, he's got this stone-faced look that's kind of a little concerning. He did just spend an hour alone with Big Papa Pump, so I guess it makes a little bit of sense. Shakira is tasked. Uh, with watching Hunter as Medeja and B uh, B Peppa Pump there head to the ring, uh, we cut uh, cut God damn it! We cut to Nash looking stoic in the back seat of the security force car, and we head to a commercial. A quick drop in as we're back from commercial with the Russo family sitting on the new blood couch. It's Vince Russo and David Flair. David, I can't let him cut my hair. We're talking about shaving my ass, David. Don't worry about it. It better not happen, David! Back in the arena, here comes DDP! Again, as DDP's music... Wait a minute. That's not DDP! That's Kimber Me and Canyon! And Canyon is holding DDP's book? Oh, I think I know what this is! Canyon poses at the ramp, throws up the diamond, and hilariously kicks his leg out to summon DDP's pyro. The pyro doesn't actually happen. It makes it even better. Madden yells, Feel that bang! Kimberly has a mic now, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, since her ex-husband just quit the Rosslyn business, Kimberly is really broken up. Okay, I'm over it now. It's actually pretty funny, because she's like, uh, I'm really broken up. Okay, I'm over it now. Like, like you know that's going to happen. But her performance sells it. How resilient she is, Tony. Eric Bischoff, surprise, Kimber Me backstage with a new product. Kimber Me now has her own WCW Parfum cologne for women, known as Positively Me. It's $395 a bottle, but most of you people can't afford it. Tony with maybe the light of the night. Great, I gotta sell that now on the air. Bye now, fans. <laughs> Kimber Me suggests saving your beer money and then spraying it on your lady and thinking of her. Now it's Canyon's turn to speak. When I was in the hospital recovering from my spinal cord injury, Ooh. 
That's Canyon winking, by the way. He does a big wink into the camera. You people believed it. Don't you feel dumb now? Eric came to me and told me to take DDP's spot and become a star. Take him out, and that's what I did last night. Scott Hudson adds, Get breast implants! Yeah. Scott Hudson yells after Canyon says that, And get breast implants! I'm at a loss, people. But DDP took his ball and went home. I want more than his spot. I want his life. His music. His wife. And every chance I get, I'm going to plug my new book, Positively Canyon. Co-written by Mark Smokey Madden. Oh, we're going to be at the New Jersey Point Authority tomorrow for a signing. It was a labor of love co-writing that book, Tony. I'm taking back the move I gave DDP. I'm going to debut it tonight. Send out some jabroni so I can debut the Diamond Cutter. Well, Positively Canyon, well, I love you and I'm happy you're here. And I love that you, for some reason your book is co-wrote by Mark Smokey Madden. Um, it's the sirens that I'm hearing, which means the champion of the United States is here. Big Papa Peen, Scott Steiner, and he's got a microphone. You come out here and paint his wife like it's a big deal. Why don't you tell me you hasn't been with that beep? Yahoo! Adds Scott Hudson. Uh, it is beeped out on the broadcast, believe it or not. Canyon enters the ring. The bell goes ding. So, match number six. Big Papa Pump. Scott Steiner defeats Positively Canyon via TCK DQ. I think... So, right away, this contest is a complete massacre by Big Papa Pump. He hits his patented flex bow. You know, where he flexes and drops the elbow. He hits an exploder soup play, whips Canyon into the corner. Canyon tries a leap, but Steiner catches him for a big running power slam, but no! It's countered into an inverted atomic drop by one positively Canyon. Uh, interesting maneuver here, as Canyon looks at Scott Steiner... And just kicks him in the dick. I mean, it's effective, though, because Steiner bends forward, which allows Positively Canyon to hit what I'm calling the Alabama Sky High because he sets him up for, like, the Alabama Slam, but he does a Sky High, too? That's impressive. One, two, no. Mark Madden then mentions that we should all look at Canyon because he's a warrior fighting with those taped ribs. I can't believe... I didn't notice until now that Canyon is indeed wearing the patented rib tape of one Diamond Dallas Page. Mwah! Chef's kiss for the little details. Now, at this moment, positively Canyon gets in referee Charles Robinson's face. And Robinson backs away and Canyon's like, oh Kyle, whatever. Robinson turns back around and, oh my god, Canyon cut her out of nowhere! Because, you know, he wasn't going to Canyon cut Scott Steiner. But Robinson is down, completely out of it. Steiner takes control of the match. Uh, Kimberly comes in, but then she bails. Uh, no, she bails to the back. My apologies. She bails to the back. Uh, military press slam by Steiner. A belly to belly. Scott's about to lock in the Steiner recliner, and we're going to experience nothing finer. But oh no! TCK, the career killer. That's what that stands for, Tony. Mike Awesome arrives, and he's all like, stomp, stomp, stomp. 
real weak stomps here by the former ECW champion. Canyon joins in on the stomping. Who can save a big papa pump? Hunter, perhaps? No! Look, that's Chronic's music! Well, it's just Chronic. They run down to a mild pop, and uh, they start cleaning house on everybody. Believe it or not, as Brian Baum is punching Canyon in the face, Scott Hudson actually brings up the fact that Canyon and Brian Clark have history. He's like, look, Chris Canyon and Brian Clark, we know the history there, Tony. So everyone starts to flee through the crowd as this battle erupts, okay? Everybody just runs through the crowd. There's like a massive thing. Kimberly watches as everybody fights through the arena. As we see Kimberly looking over the security rail, we notice someone steps into the frame in front of Kimberly. Oh my god! Miss Hancock is here! Out of nowhere! Snoochie poochies! Yells Mark Madden. Ms. Hancock chases Kimber me into the ring. She puts her hair down and starts to shake. Wah, 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 wah. Rah, 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 rah. She even takes her glasses off. Miss Hancock lifts Kimberly up by the hair. Kimberly remembers that she still has the bottle of Positively Me, the women's fragrance in her hands. She lifts up the bottle of perfume and she sprays it into Miss Hancock's face. But oh no! The nozzle is backwards! The perfume sprays Kimberly in her own face. But wait! Somehow, this has affected Miss Hancock. Miss Hancock cannot see. Oh my god! The perfume must have somehow transmitted from Kimberly over to Miss Hancock! Kimberly tosses Miss Hancock down, steps on her glasses. This segment is over, and I give it absolutely, unapologetically, five sprays of parfum into the face. A perfect example of how pathetic and absurd and hilarious WCW 2000 is. Just, oh my god. Like, it was going well with Canyon doing his shtick, and it was going well with Steiner just tossing him around. And then... It got a little, eh, when Chronic came out. And then when Ms. Hancock came out, I was like, Jesus, this is just way overbooked. But then, the accidental spraying of one's own face, and then the selling of the accidental spraying by the person not affected? Oh, just give me more. I want every match to be like this. Uh, speaking of perfect matches... Rick and Reed Flair are walking towards the ring for their match. Tony yells, the handicap match, it's next! But wait a minute, it's a handicap? I, I, I can't follow, I'm done, I'm done. We're back, and my favorite WCW backstage interviewer, Pamela Paulshock, is with Scott Steiner and his freaks. Scott Steiner, what do you think just happened out there? Scott replies, it's hilarious because he starts really calm. Listen, you're very beautiful, but not right now. Russo! Oh, that was a Ric Flair Russo. Listen, you're very beautiful, but not right now. Russo! Bischoff! You two son of bitches! I know you sent my gossip down and mess with my match! I'm gonna find you and stick my butt up your ass! You ain't gonna like it! Where's Hunter? It appears that young Hunter is gone, as neither Shakira nor Madeja knows where he is. In the arena, here comes Vince and David Russo. Russo looks oh so nervous. He does have his patented Batman bat, at least. Next up, 
Woo! Out come Ric Flair and Reed Flair. Now, Rick has a bag full of clippers and haircutting instruments. Uh, Reed Flair has a deer in headlights look. Reed Flair also has, ladies and gentlemen, the baggiest bootcut jeans I've ever seen in my entire fucking life. Mark Madden demands some sort of confirmation that posterior shaving is indeed on the line in this match. And believe it or not, I would like some clarification too, but there's no time to get it because Ric Flair enters the ring and referee Slick Johnson calls for the bell. So, match number seven, a handicap career hair versus career hair match, I guess. I'm just going to leave it at that. Vince Russo and David Flair defeat the nature boy Ric Flair via Helen Hart. Rick immediately gets David into the corner for some chops. He rips David's shirt. Thank God David wasn't wearing his patented UK Nitro shirt. Because we can't lose that one. And then eats more chops. Whipped into the corner. David... Goes for a flare flip, totally fucks it up. Russo runs in to save the day and eats a little gut kick by Ric Flair. Russo is then backed into the corner and chopped, but wait! Russo no-sells this and sticks out his tongue like, Nyeh! and poses like Hogan? What's going on here, Tony? Uh, well, Rick rips off Vince Russo's track jacket, and Russo was wearing a catcher's chest protector the entire time. Uh, Ric Flair yanks the protector off, rips Russo's shirt, chops him a shit ton of times, turns his attention back to David with a suplex, locks in the figure four on David out of nowhere, and folks, this is where things start to get a little crazy. Believe it or not, can you imagine? In a Vince Russo match? Russo slams the bat into Ric Flair's ribs viciously with a large uh, amount of times. Yeah, I said with a large amount of times. You want to fight about it. Um, but Russo then starts to mount Ric Flair and do really shitty-looking mounted punches. Reed Flair dives in and tackles Russo, but David pulls off Reed. Russo now has a microphone, ladies and gentlemen, and things will get even wackier. Beth! Beth Flair! Bring your cute little ass in here! The camera cuts to Beth, who is in the crowd with Megan and Ashley. And Beth just immediately stands up and starts to walk in the ring without any hesitation or acting going on. You know, I don't blame him. Uh, but is this really the time to flirt, Tony? It's not bad by Madden. Ric Flair is completely out of it in the ring. Vince Russo grabs one of his patented Statue of Liberty statues that he uses as a weapon. As all of this is unfolding... Uh, there's, like, a shit ton of people in the ring, too, because Russo and Bischoff's security runs down to, like, form a line so no one can interfere. So there's, like, 15 people in the ring. A baseball bat, a Statue of Liberty. There might even be a gun. I wasn't paying that much attention. Oh, uh, there's a couple of miners. Not, like, coal miners, but, like, those underage. And Hudson has the audacity to yell, Remember, relaxed rules. No DQ. <laughs> no, remember, there are relaxed DQ rules at WCW. Vince Russo gives Beth Fleer the Statue of Liberty and tells her to hit Rick with it. This is your last chance to jump on my bandwagon, Beth. I will bring you to a place that Space Mountain never could. Beth has the statue. What is this? This hasn't been a thing. Like teasing that Beth would turn on. That hasn't been a thing at all. Beth refuses to hit her own husband. Too late, yells Russo. Vince Russo grabs the Statue of Liberty out of Beth Fleer's hands. 
But Beth wasn't really to give it, ready to give it to him yet. Not so much the character of Beth Fleer, but Beth Fleer the human. And so she still has a grip on this statue. Russo yanks it away hard, and this causes the fragile sports entertainment prop to crumble before our very eyes. Russo immediately panics and whacks Ric Flair in the skull with the bottom of the statue that does not give, it does not shatter, it only actually hurts Ric Flair the person. Russo starts to choke Rick, but Ashley Flair, the future Charlotte Flair, storms in. She's held back by R&B security, but she at least tries to fight back like she's got some spunk, showing that she, you know, has the heart and soul of a sports-based entertainer. Russo is still choking Rick Flair, but Russo is also totally blown up at the same time. Everyone is just standing. The camera is in wide on Ric Flair's face. Oh my god. Oh my god. And suddenly, the bell rings, which means, is it over? Russo leaps into the air like it's the end of Rocky Three. It appears, ladies and gentlemen, that off-camera, Megan Flair, or excuse me, Megan Fleer, threw in the towel. The career of Ric Flair is over due to a towel-based finished in a non-towel-based match. The crowd is absolutely silent. No booing. No anything. His career is over! Is, is that it? I was kind of wondering the same thing. Now the crowd at least starts to wake up with a big bullshit chant. David and Vince Russo have the clippers, and they start to shave Ric Flair's head. During this, Tony Schiavone yells so many things. That wasn't part of the deal! Uh, you know, Tony, you might be right. Who the fuck could keep track at this point? They start in the middle of Rick's head and shave, which is great because that's, you know, even if you only got one shave in, like that's the ultimate insult looking like Hawk from the goddamn Legion of Doom. As this is happening, Tony, as I promised, continues with words, not his trademark, not the blonde mane. That's the one trademark of a Ric Flair. Okay, the one trademark of Flair. Come on. Uh, once they're finished uh, shaving up Rick, he lo- absolutely fucking looks like Doc Brown. It's tremendous, and he should have just adopted this as his new look. Uh, David Flair does an insane laugh. He looks over and wants Champ, that being a Reed Flair. Uh, and folks, they start to go to work on Reed, shaving his head in little patches and everything. Reed's sobbing like a diva. He looks like a complete idiot. Rick wakes up and tries to rescue Reed, but it's too late. Russo leaps into the arms of David. Russo, you are scum in a sport full of low people. There's no one lower than you. Well, it very much is a sport full of low people, Scott. Uh, On the way towards the back, Russo gets pelted with a drink cup. That's pretty hilarious. Fans, we do not endorse this. We've got to take a break. That's how the segment of the career ending of Ric Flair ends. Instead of heading to a commercial as promised, we cut to the security force car in the parking lot where Kevin Nash is being released from custody. But coming up, fans, Goldberg, take a breath. It's coming up next. Do again. You even have to ask another five-star match here, folks. I mean, mm, this this is like my birthday or something, okay? Like, I don't know what's going on. Like, This is just, is this the most perfect episode of Nitro? Keeping in mind 
that we are looking for nonsense, that we are looking for things to mock. Oh, well. We're back from commercial uh, with the replay of uh, HS2K or Head Shaving 2000. Uh, Mark Madden calls, uh, calls it a ritualistic shaving, Tony. Oh, here comes Kevin Nash in his fucking street clothes. The announced crew continues to weep for the loss of Ric Flair to the annals of sports entertainment. Here comes Bill Goldberg, flanked by all the members of the New Blood to come out to watch and pay respect. There's no pyro for the entrance, no backstage walk, just a brand new pure heel Bill Goldberg. Nash strikes as Bill enters. The bell rings. So match number eight. The main event of the evening. Kevin Nash and the Thug Life. Bill Goldberg. I think go to a no contest. The bell never rings. Who really cares? Uh, Nash should be noted. Immediately tweaks his knee. Tweaks his knee, selling punches from Goldberg. Goldberg slugs away in some sort of a goddamn berserker mode. Uh, eventually, Nash reverses, reverse, reverses an Irish whip and hits his patented sexy boot. Bill Goldberg flees to the outside. As Bill Goldberg. Mounts the steps to re-enter the ring. Scott Hudson basically buys me the equivalent of a lap dance for my birthday with his words. Goldberg, the thug life, smiling. Oh, just keep saying it, Scott. Oh, it's like coming. It's like coming. It's very good. (laughs) Goldberg ducks a clothesline and hits the Bret Hart career killer super kick and Nash is out of it. Goldberg manhandles him in the corner, choking him out. A big Goldberg sucks chant. That's a good thing, though. That's what you want. You want some sort of a reaction. Bill snaps to attention and actually gives the stink eye to the crowd. Not bad character work from Bill here. Like, he kind of doesn't understand what's going on. Like, why don't you love me? Nash is unable to fight back. (laughs) Kevin Nash may be the last great hope to put a stop to the run of the thug life, Goldberg. Nash is able to push Bill into the buckle. Franchise gets up on the ring and starts eating a Nash fist. The animals attack. It's no problem for Nash. Goldberg has a chair. He swings the chair at Kevin Nash. And oh my god, Kevin Nash is down! I'm not sure why Kevin Nash is down. Because the chair absolutely missed. Maybe it's that leg injury from earlier. I see in the crowd someone has a simmer down now sign. And that makes me very, very happy. Goldberg takes the gloves off so he can punch Kevin Nash with his own knuckles. Hunter is here! Thank God. Hunter is on the steps watching Nash get the shit kicked out of him. Uh, Hunter goes to turn away, but Vince Russo trots out and like holds him in place, making Hunter watch. Kevin Nash is out cold. Poor little Hunter is trying to act. Scott Steiner is here! He destroys the new blood. He then punches a cop! Was that scripted? Oh, I think so. Because the cops surround Steiner and circle jerk him to death? I mean, they beat him with their billy clubs, but they're in a circle, and it looks like they're stroking their billy club-based cocks. It's a circle jerk. They handcuff Scott Steiner. The cat is here. It's my birthday. Uh, He gives Scott Steiner a cheap shot. It's glorious. Tony makes an all-time call. We have seen a new all-time low on Monday Nitro, which has been on the air since Labor Day 95! Hunter covers Nash in the ring like a human shield. Hunter, get out of there for Pete's sake! Russo hugs Goldberg. The copyright hits. Tony yells, fans, what's going to happen? A thunder! 
And we end our show glorious. A wonderful follow-up to the Great American Bash in terms of what we're looking for. A wonderful wrestling show? Well, of course not. I don't know what to rank this match. Uh, it, the match is actually not as good as some of the other schlocky things, but Hunter's here. We get a couple of awful thug lifes from Hudson. I don't know. Two and a half. Two and a half thugs. Two and a half thugs living a thuggish, thuggish, ruggish life, Tony. Tony, look, it's the thuggish, ruggish bone. It's the thuggish, ruggish bone. I listen to Bone Thugs in Harmony, Tony. Okay. Uh, I'm going to leave, but there's one point I wanted to make. I told you all it was going to be the start of Act 2. I told you the New Blood Millionaires Club arc or the death of WCW was moving into Act 2. Okay, we all know what happens at the Bash at the Beach 2000, but look at what we've seen here tonight. Flair is gone until later in the year. Okay. Uh, but he's not wrestling anymore. I don't think he wrestles again until 2001 and when he fused with Dusty. Yeah, that's a thing. DDP's gone for a little bit. Uh, GI Bro rescued Hollywood Hulk Hogan. Keep that in mind as you think about the nonsense and, and lies and contract disputes that surround the Bash at the Beach 2000. I don't think we've ever heard the truth. There's a conspiracy for you. And speaking of hearing things, you should be hearing the NWA TNA Cage Dancer music, as promised. This is going to be the finale, or not the finale, the end of this episode of WCW Must Die, but never the end of the new TNN. Make sure you subscribe, all that shit. Have a good time. Watch this episode of Nitro. And fans, we will be back for Thunder sometime in the near future. I'm Johnny C. And a winner is you.